0: Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate His love, truth, and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Today, we've got Mel who's going to come up right now and he's going to bring a word, something from the heart of God. Thanks, Mel. Good morning. For those who don't know me, my name is Malcolm, I'm one of the pastors here at Bayside and uh, this morning I'm going to be bringing a message called Far More Than We See. God is doing far more behind the scenes than we know. We sung that great song, that's a new song, Waymaker, that's a really good one isn't it? Um, we were just practicing it for the first time this week, and I said, oh, "I've got to have that on Sunday because it does. It just opens up what I want to talk to, what to talk about. I want to look at some of the ways the Lord does things before us, with us, and behind us, to bring all things, whatever they may be, to the benefit of our good, and to fulfill the destiny and purposes." That he has in place for us. It still amazes me to see how God weaves this intricate tapestry, this tapestry of our lives, yet still keeps within the constraints of this world, which are bound by love, therefore, bound by our choices. So there is a, a word I just want to sort of glance at, if we could have that up serendipity. The occurrence and development of events by chance in a happy or beneficial way. The notion of serendipity is is a common occurrence throughout the history of scientific innovation such as Alexander Fleming's uh, accidental discovery of penicillin in 1928, where he literally found a petri dish with this stuff growing in it, or the invention of the microwave by Percy Spencer in 1945, who was working on a radar set and his chocolate bar melted in his pocket. <laughs> so, so much more is God's plan for our lives, where chance is taken from the equation, even though we might not recognise that at the time. One of my favourite verses is Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you," says the Lord, "they are plans for good, and not for your disaster, to give you a hope and a future." So, I like props. You all know, I like our props. I like props, and this is my um, families. I was going to say my sons, but it's actually our families. Uh, <laughs> mouse trap, and um, unfortunately, we've lost a rubber band and a bowl, So. I was going to get this all happening, but um, you can see that there's all sorts of... I'm going to stick to my notes because I can go off track. (laughs) The aim of this game is for all of these seemingly unassociated things to be a vehicle for the mouse to be trapped. Now, our discussion today has nothing to do with trapping mice. Okay, We love animals here. (laughs) But it has a whole lot to do with seemingly unassociated things, bringing his goodness into our lives. So you got that? Yeah. Lots of different things bringing goodness into our lives. The is lost, yeah. That's the master's life. Yeah. <laughs> so Ephesians 3.20. Now, all oh, glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. God is the great architect of purpose and destiny and it's important to note that he sees infinitely more than we do. Our perception of things is limited and therefore we need to be wise when things happen that we don't understand. I lost a really good friend last night and I found out about an hour ago and um, I just want to say that life is really, really precious it is really, really precious. He was a really great guy and he's in glory now and he's not suffering anymore, which is, which is wonderful. So please bear with me. I'm going to get through this because it's a really, really good message. Our perception of things is limited. Therefore, we need to be wise when situations arise that don't seem fair or we don't understand. If we were to see ourselves compared to this gigantic universe... It would be easy for us to feel small if it weren't for God and for who he says we are. 1 Peter 2.9, For you are a chosen people. You are royal priesthoods, a royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. Let's take a quick drink. So firstly, we're going to look at some people in the Bible who had different things happen to them that weren't so great but how the Lord then turned around everything to see his goodness prevail in their lives. Then I'll give you three things, three Cs. They're not in a nice like line like Chad did last week, but hey, I'm not Chad. I'm me. What? And I've lost my place. Then I'll I'll give you three things to help us recognise what God, God is doing in our lives. Okay, firstly, we're going to talk about Ruth. But to talk about Ruth, we have to go back a little bit to her mother-in-law, Naomi. So we see some unexpected situations in Naomi's and Ruth's life. Now, Naomi lost her husband, then both her sons, and is left with two Moabite daughters-in-law. Now, some Bible scholars suggest that Elimelech, who was Naomi's husband, had done the wrong thing by leaving Judah, leaving his homeland. There was famine in the land, And I guess he thought he was doing the the, the right thing. But Naomi felt that she was being punished because Elimelech had left his homeland. Now, of course, this wasn't Naomi's fault. Uh, She went where her husband went. So I believe God is going to show his love to her. And he had a plan. So Naomi decided to return to Judah where her husband had land and she could sell that. She didn't want her daughter-in-laws to be burdened by carting them off to to them was a foreign land. So tried to send them back to their own mothers so they could possibly marry again. And these two daughter-in-laws' names were Oprah, Orpah, not Oprah, sorry. (laughs) Orpah and Ruth. Orpah did as she was told, and she went off back to her homeland. But Ruth wouldn't go. Ruth had lost her husband. And now a mother-in-law was going off to Judah, so she has a choice. She could abandon God because of the things that were happening around her, but she doesn't. She chooses to stay with her mother-in-law and have faith in God. So off they went to Bethlehem. God is doing things behind the scenes. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave this as Ruth one sixteen. Don't ask me to leave and go and turn back. Whenever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. That was um, not the die and buried bit, but that's what Mani said to me in our wedding vows, so it's very special. <laughs> um, Naomi was so honoured by Ruth's loyalty, um, but I can imagine that that would put a burden on her to see that um, Ruth was blessed. So God's setting up all all these different little scenarios. He's weaving his tapestry. Now, kinsman redeemer, it's a term if you don't know that, is a male relative who, according to the various laws found in Jewish culture, had the privilege and responsibility to act for a relative who was in trouble or danger or needed vindication. Now, Boaz was such a person to Naomi's late husband and he was a wealthy landowner. Ruth asked Naomi if she can go and gather some grain from a field to help provide for them because it was harvest time and the the harvesters were out harvesting wheat or, or seed, grain. Ruth finds a field and starts picking up the leftovers, not knowing she was in Boaz's field but I guess she was pretty. Eventually, Boaz Boaz notices her and he's kind to her. Eventually, he finds out who she is and who Naomi is and sets about to buy the land, finds out there's land to buy. When Naomi finds out, she makes sure that Ruth is going to be taken care of. So Boaz sees, oh, there's going to be this land. I can uh, also look after Ruth and... Marry her if she wants to and it's going to be great. Um, but he realises that there's a, a hitch to that story. There's another guy who is um, closer as a relative and he could buy the land. Um, so he, I guess, inquires of the Lord and prays and goes goes off and does this, this um, negotiation. And... Eventually, it all gets sorted out and uh, Ruth and Naomi live happily ever after. But it does bring up some questions because the other kinsman, kinsman redeemer found out that there was a wife associated with this and so he went, no, I, I can't do that. So the questions are, did Ruth wonder if she would ever be married again? When we look at these stories, we've got to put ourselves in them And work out, well, what is this saying to me? What is this saying? And these were very real people with very real problems and very real promises and hopes and dreams. How long had Boaz been looking for a wife? How old was he? We don't know how old he was. Has he been praying for a wife for a long time? I knew I was. Did he inquire of the Lord to see if it was the right thing the right thing in, in, in trying to purchase the land and asking Ruth to be his wife. Was that the right thing? And I'm sure that he prayed, Lord, if it's the right thing, then may this other guy not want to take the land. There have been times when Moni and I have asked the Lord to show us what is right by putting what we hope for on the line. Lord, if this is right, you make this happen. And we we can own that because he set things up to make that the case. We don't know if the other kinsmen had several wives and the Lord got them all unhappy that morning. So he didn't possibly want another unhappy wife. We don't know. I I don't know how they did that in those days, had several spouses. I don't know if there was three of me at home, how money would deal with that. Um, she might like that. I don't know. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't. That's for sure. I just want to say here on a side note, that our God is the God of restoration. I'm a witness and a recipient of that. He can do amazing things. God brought Moni and I together. And here's a, here's a little interesting fact. Moni was actually born in a Monaro. Yep, yeah, on the way to hospital, nah, I'm out of here. So she was born in a Monaro and ended up marrying a Munro. That's God doing amazing things. So next I want to look at David's life. David was anointed by Samuel when he was 15, which was a symbol that he was going to be the king of Israel. God was setting it up that David would be king. Now, I'm going to skip a lot of things here because there's a lot of details. So I'll just give you an overview. Um, in 1 Samuel 16, it says, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. There was a bunch of sons. And when Samuel got there and looked at all of them, there was not the one that God wanted. So he said, where's, where's, is there no more? And of course, David was out with the sheep doing what he did. Um, then Samuel took the horn, when, when they found him, this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. David was then given an opportunity to play his lyre before the king, There's a harp. Um, he was very skillful and uh, made lovely music, made beautiful music. Now that's a big deal. I would feel very honoured to play before the prime minister or the queen. So God's setting up stuff here. He's given David a promise and he's going to see that it's fulfilled. Then God sets him up with an opportunity to slay a giant and with God's help defeats him. Now I think now that David is starting to see opportunities that are getting him closer to what God has spoken over him the promises God has made. Then the king tries to kill him. What, what? Hold on, hold on. No, no, we're having all good things happen. I get to play in front of the king and I get to slay the giant and now I'm, hold on, but the king now wants to kill me. That is not, doesn't seem to be fulfilling a promise, Lord. What's, again, we put ourselves in David's mind. What's going on there? But God smooths it over um, at that stage. And he starts to get um, well-known. Um, Saul sends him off to fight the Philistines and has great victory. But then Saul gets jealous. What is going on here? And he says, right, go kill David. I don't want him around. He's, um, he's getting in my craw. And David must be asking, this isn't supposed to be happening This doesn't line up with what you said, Lord. Have we been at that place? This doesn't line up with what you said, Lord. So, for the next 14 or so years, things go up and down. David is even stuck in a cave at one stage, and this all certainly doesn't look like what God was talking about. He has to not only hide from Saul, but also has to go hide out with the Philistines. And if we remember, he was fighting against them. mount that, that would have been awkward. Um, Hi, it's me again. Sorry, I chopped your brother's leg off. I'm sorry. Um, that, it would have been awkward. But he didn't have uh, a, um, a choice at that stage. He was being hunted by Saul, so he had to do something. But however, bit by bit, the Lord works behind the scenes and gives David opportunity to show his honour and integrity by not killing Saul. He's given that opportunity twice and he doesn't take it because he's, he cannot kill the king. That, that doesn't show integrity. That kind of information would not have gone unnoticed by the soldiers around Saul who would have later been under his command. So David was then made king woo-hoo, when he was 30 and he ruled for 40 years. So God did all sorts of things in that behind the scenes. Next, I want to talk about the disciples. I sometimes try and put myself... What possibly could happen next? I sometimes try and put myself in the shoes of the disciples and think about what it would be like to walk and talk with Jesus. Seeing the amazing things, the amazing miracles and the profound things that he said. It's also important to remember the disciples weren't theologians and didn't have all the scriptural background that we now have to know exactly what Jesus' plan was and why he had to die. They would also see Jesus say and do things that were odd to them and then be amazed at the outcome. John 2 talks about Jesus turning water into wine. Now, if you don't think the Lord is interested in our hospitality ventures, think again. It looked like the wedding at Cana was going to be a real fizzer because the wine was running out, but Jesus came to the rescue. Jesus gave the host some simple instructions and the problem was solved. I remember Monty and I, uh, we had a, uh, a function and... I was ridiculously concerned. I come from a long line of overreactors. And I didn't think we had enough food. Um, And we had all these people coming. Now, we didn't have a lot of money at that stage, so we prayed. That was a good thing to do, wasn't it? We prayed. And, of course, there was leftovers, wasn't there? There was heaps of food. So God wanted to show us that he was our provider... And God is Jesus was interested in all sorts of areas of life. The tax bill. Who here has had a tax bill? It's not the happiest of times, is it? <laughs> you realise that there's no return coming, and in fact you owe money. Whoops. So Peter was concerned in Matthew 17 when the tax department of the day, being the temple tax at Capernaum, was saying that Jesus and himself... Owed the temple two drachma each. But Jesus used the situation to teach Peter about his kingship. Read that story, it's really good. But it also provides Peter a way to pay the bill. He asked Peter to do what he was good at go and catch a fish. You're good at that. Go do that. Lord, We need your provision. Do what you're good at. Miraculously, we presume the fish he caught had the money in its mouth and it probably still smelled like fish when he paid it. The resurrection. Probably the most amazing of all miracles is the resurrection. Sometimes we expect God to answer our prayers in a certain way. The Jews for centuries had been waiting for an all-conquering Messiah to come and rescue them from the tyranny of their day. The disciples must have been wondering when Jesus was going to call down the angels and sort out the Romans and religious leaders, after they had seen him heal lepers, raise the dead, walk on water, calm the raging storms with but a few words. But then he was killed in the most terrible of ways. You've seen this guy do all these things and then he's he's killed. That doesn't make sense. You put yourselves in their, their position. It doesn't make sense. But then Jesus conquers death. And that was the ultimate comeback. And after a while, the disciples started to see what was happening here. There's lots of things happening. God was doing things behind the scenes. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is always doing amazing things before us, with us, and in front of us. So what does knowing that God did all these things in Scripture, how does that help us? So I want to give us some um, three Cs. So the first one I want to talk about is Confidence. Confidence that the Lord is for us. Did you get that? That the Lord is for us. And he will turn all things for our good, even though we may be surrounded by a whole heap of mess. Ruth and Naomi could have lost all hope with famine, with no husbands, but they put their faith in the Lord to see them through. I had a verse here, and I was toying whether or not to use it, but I'm going to use it. I think Psalm 91, verse seven, talks about a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand. But whatever it is, talk, that scripture's talking about a deadly pestilence, and you can put whatever you want in that that section. But I just want to say that God will protect you. Boaz knew if he did things right and honourably, he had the confidence that God would bless him. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, the other thing to note is that God is the great restorer and will supply all our needs. Oh, that's why we're... Okay. You know when you put notes and you think, you go, what was I thinking then? I just worked out what it is. <laughs> so, yeah, we have got there. Um, if, you have, if you've had things stolen from you, what, whatever they may be, whether it's you've had a bad harvest year for those farmers with us or an unsuccessful business or a financial loss, God will replace I had a business that fell over and was a dismal failure and I owed lots, lots of money and um, and I've told this story before but probably not to a lot of you here Um, but then I met (laughs) Moni greatest time in life when you don't have a red cent Um, I met Moni and uh, God gave her a dream Um, we, we had had a Uh, An interesting time getting to know each other was really good. It was wonderful. It was all God and all those kinds of things But um, I I felt like a bit of a you know um, second-rate Yeah, loser (laughs) Um, Who was I talking to the other day and we were talking about um, we certainly were punching above our weight? Something like that. Anyway, I certainly was at that stage, but um, God gave money a dream um, we just got engaged and uh, gave money a dream and said, by the time uh, God said to her, by the time you are married, which was six months away, um, you would owe nothing. Now, I think I owed about 25 grand. So for me, that was a lot of money. But um, I think it was about a week before we got married, <laughs> I didn't owe a cent. God just did these bizarre, incredible things that were just left field, right field, all over the place. and Yeah, so when, when people say, oh, you know, we, we are in a terrible situation now, God will get you out of it. He does, just have faith. The threshing floors shall be full of grain, the vats shall overflow the wine and oil. I will restore you to you the years that the locusts have eaten. And then he goes on to say, all the different locusts so he doesn't miss any of the particular locusts out. Which I thought, why the saying all that? But he said, no, I wanted to make sure that those reading it would know that whatever locust it was, I got it covered. So next C is commission. When God says something over our lives and tells us What he wants us to do, it is his seed that he has planted in our hearts. Regardless of what comes our way, if we stay faithful, those things will come to pass. David was told by Samuel that he was going to be king. And even though things around him looked opposite to that, he knew that it was God who had commissioned him. When the Lord told Moni and I, that we were going to be pastors one day. It was funny because then all sorts of things started happening in our lives that tried to discredit us, to make us feel unworthy, health issues, financial issues, and whether we and ourselves had what it took. But you can't buy that kind of stuff. You can't buy those experiences, those things that teach you how good God is and how he has called us to be more than conquerors in our situations. And we've been pastors here for six or so years and God has been ever faithful and has continually encouraged us and said, I'm with you. You've got this and you can do this. Philippians 1.6 says, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. My last C: creativity. So we've had confidence, commission, and creativity. Good works for you to do. Woohoo! When we look at Jesus, he used some very, very creative ways to see his Father's will done. Coins in fishes' mouths. He used winemaking. Did you know that the official word for winemaking is oenology? I didn't know that. I was going to be real sort of smart and say, he used oenology, but then I, I had to fess up and say, I didn't know what that meant. So He put mud in the eye of a blind man. Told storms to be quiet. Shush! Healed limbs and hearts went for walks on the water and gave us life eternal. When I talk about tapestries and God weaving his plans and purposes in our lives, I want you to hear this, okay? We can never underestimate what role we may play in history. Each one of you is called for a time such as this and I'm going to look at all of you so you know I'm talking to you, looking at all of you, all of you. And for all those people in the back, there are things God has given us to do and he wants, he, he wants us to run with them despite what obstacles we see or we perceive. Even if they sound ridiculously far-fetched, I mean, God has said things to my knee and I that we go, what? There is nothing that God cannot do. There is nothing that he cannot accomplish. If they are seeds in you, he will turn the world upside down to see those things accomplished. Now, some of you know I released some songs on the internet early in the year and I get reports back showing me where, where they've been played. You know, it'd be nice, you know, Sydney Wow, well. Good stuff got in Sydney. But the last one came through and they, they're all um, a bit postponed. You don't get them straight away. And the stuff I wrote has been played in Canada, the US, Netherlands, Africa and Turkey. Now, I have no idea who was listening to them. I don't know what effect those songs had on those people. But I know and hear that God is doing something. And when he gives you something, and this is not in my notes, but when he gives you something, you've got to run with that. And I've said that. But you just do not know who that is going to affect and what incredible things that God can do through you. Um, we, we're blessed to have such a, an amazing um, preacher in Chad. Um, and the, the um, incredible um, impact that his, his stuff has had on people is, is phenomenal. And if, we, if he just decided, oh, I'm not, I'm not good enough, I, I can't do that... Um, just imagine how, how many people would have missed out on that. Ephesians 2, 1 again says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. Now I'm nearly finished. I was talking to the music team on Thursday night about seeds and letting God grow, grow them in our lives. And um, Luke, like he does, um, comes out with some profound thing, and you just go, "What? Like, how did you think about that?" Um, but he's well read. He reads stuff, I guess. <laughs> but um, he had a quote from Howard Thurman, and I don't know if you know him, but he was a, an African American who wrote many great Christian books, um, and was a Um, Very, very uh, involved in social justice. But he said, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that. Because the world needs, what the world needs, is people who have come alive. And who makes us come alive? Jesus, good answer. That's what I wanted. God is always doing amazing things before us, with us, and in front of us. We can be confident that he is always with us, that what he has commissioned us to do, he will see to completion, and he will do it in the most creative and delightful and inspiring ways. Again, if we just look at this mousetrap, somebody had to come up with this thing and work out how it all works. But, I mean, we have all sorts of different things happening here. But that can be situations in our lives, these totally unrelated things that God just picks that from there, picks that from there, does this, does this. And Moni and I have seen, and we as a church have seen that happen so many times. I want us to sing... uh, Waymaker again. Um, But this morning, I want to pray for us. That God concretes in our hearts the things that we've talked about this morning. So let's just close our eyes. Thank you, Lord, that you are always for us. And Lord, that you will never leave us. That you have created the most amazing scenarios to see the good come from any situation we find ourselves in. That you can move mountains to see your plans and purposes fulfilled in our lives. Lord, I pray for every heart in this place, for every situation and Lord, for you to do only what you can do. Lord, I thank you for these precious people's lives and I look forward to the amazing testimonies that people have to talk of and speak of your goodness Lord. We thank you for your goodness and for your grace and your wonderful name. Amen.